The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. <laughs> this is X-Virgin, and I'm your host, Carter Cruz, here to explore the world of sex and relationships in a unique way. I promise to make you laugh and share all the best tips. Headphones in, because this is about to get wild. This episode is sponsored by Woo More Play. Hey guys, welcome back to X Virgin. Today I'm going to be doing my first solo episode and I'm a little nervous, so bear with me. Before I dive into the main topic for today, Happy New Year. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday and are excited for the rest of the year. Personally, my New Year's Eve was pretty uneventful. I worked per usual, but I did get to spend some time with friends, which was good. Sadly, I did not get a New Year's Eve kiss. I somehow got incredibly drunk at the pregame and was low-key puking and maybe crying in my hotel room at midnight. But I did manage to get myself together for my set at 1230, which I absolutely crushed. Duh. <laughs> I also decided this year to take a little break from dating and sex, which I know, I know. What? But if you didn't know, I went through two breakups last year. One was an eight-year relationship, which was basically a divorce. We lived together for a long time. We share a pet, had to divide up responsibilities and assets. So that was a lot. And then I immediately followed that up with an incredibly intense romance that involved a lot of fighting and ended horribly. So I felt like I needed to take some time to be on my own, focus on myself and my career while I heal. I'm calling this little celibacy run dry pussy January. <laughs> Although I started back in December, so I'm already about a month in. Uh, much like your classic dry January, I'm not sure if it's actually doing anything beneficial for me, but I'm not really in a headspace to have any sexual relations anyway, so may as well give it a shot, right? Also, much like your classic dry January, I told everyone I know that <laughs> what I'm doing to hold myself accountable, but now there's no really going back. <laughs> I also deleted all my dating apps because if I'm not looking for actual dates or even casual sex, then I'd just be using them to procrastinate work and seek external validation when I'm really trying to do the complete opposite of that, which is focus on my career and internal validation. But anyway, I'll give you guys all an update on that later on how it goes. But in the meantime, pray for me and definitely let me know if you are also doing it or have before. 
I'd love to know your experience and how it impacted you, especially if you're a woman. I've had a lot of guy friends who've done it as part of their weird semen retention shit that they heard about on some podcast, but I'm not convinced it works the same way for women. I'm definitely also not retaining cum. I've been masturbating my whole life and I don't plan on stopping now. But now on to our main topic for the day. As most of you probably know, Matt Reif is a comic who has been getting a lot of heat lately due to some of his jokes. And he's really leaned into the controversy by naming his tour Problematic, (laughs) which is funny in like a sad, lame way. First of all, Matt Reif, if you ever hear this, don't feel too special that I'm dedicating an entire podcast episode to you. My producers asked me to do a solo episode, and this is just what I felt like ranting about today. I will admit I'm absolutely using the controversy and clout around you right now to make a point about something I care about. But you're not the first celebrity I've used to broach this topic, and you probably won't be the last. As always, I do hope that you listen and learn something. But if not, someone else will, and that's really all I can ask for. Also, I saw Matt perform in LA right before he started to blow up, and I thought he was funny. So I don't have any vendetta against the man, although the podcast clips I was forced to see after following him did kind of give me the ick. But I'm not in the business of policing comics jokes. I enjoy a lot of edgy comedy, a lot edgier than Matt Reif, to be honest. And I'm not easily outraged. So I usually just roll my eyes and move on if I hear something tasteless. Totally get that comics have to take risks. And that means jokes won't always land. Not against jokes that deal with touchy subjects or even strike a personal nerve. In fact, I love being roasted so much that I do my best to get to every comedy show early so I can sit right down there in the front for that exact reason. But that being said, I do have some thoughts. So in my opinion, one of Matt's more cringe behaviors are his internet clapbacks, which to me kind of come off as insecure, if I'm being honest. You're conventionally attractive, white, male, and I assume making good money and getting laid. So just let it go, dude. Like, it's so much cooler to just let it go, especially since a lot of it is just dumb internet stuff that doesn't matter at all. So it kind of makes you look like an ass. But that's just my two cents. And I would say the same thing to his face if you were my friend. But one of those clapbacks that really got people riled up was when he replied to a six-year-old who corrected one of his jokes on TikTok. People got big mad about him going after a six-year-old. I, however, am not one of those people. I do not give a fuck about that, and neither should you. It's not like the kid was ever going to see it without his mom showing him. And to be honest, starting fake beef with the six-year-old is kind of fucking hilarious. His response, though, was... Santa isn't real, and your mom buys all your presents with the money she buys on OnlyFans. (laughs) Now, a simple Santa isn't real is fucking funny to me. Again, it's not like the kid's going to see it. You're not actually being a dick and ruining his childhood, although we can debate the merits of teaching a child to believe in Santa at another time. (laughs) But it is mildly entertaining for the rest of us. It's like that playground scene at the end of Step Brothers when they fight the kids It's fucking hilarious because the concept of an adult having beef with a kid is funny, as long as there's no actual child being harmed, obviously. But he couldn't stop there. He had to throw in one little extra nugget, a freebie for the bros, you might call it. 
the classic, your mom's a hoe. Now, men tend to slut shame when they have literally nothing else to say. And to be honest, it's kind of played out. But let's break it down anyway. The joke here is that the kid's mom is a sex worker, which I gather is supposed to be embarrassing, degrading, something definitely not positive. The premise is that sex work is not real work, and therefore sex workers and their loved ones should feel ashamed about it. You'd never see a joke about how a dad busts ass at his nine to five all week to afford Christmas presents because no one, not even incels, would think that's funny. Now, maybe Matt doesn't personally feel like this about sex work. I don't know. Although from some of those podcast clips, I can't say I believe he's a beacon of progressive ideas about sex and women. But it doesn't really matter how he personally feels about this for the purpose of my point. Because the problem is the premise isn't just the basis for lazy bro jokes. It's the basis for the stigma and ultimately the marginalization of real-life sex workers. Believing sex workers matter less and deserve less respect isn't some antiquated idea that carries no real weight in modern society. It is the current mainstream accepted viewpoint that is used to justify muting their voices in conversations about them, violating or even withholding their basic human rights, and committing violence against them. Even politicians who claim to support sex workers often entirely leave them out of conversations surrounding legislation that impacts them. So it's a belief that causes real-life harm to real-life humans every single day. So one example of this is when California introduced a bill to require condoms for all porn scenes. While safe sex is great, and I fully support using condoms, the idea of the government requiring anyone to use them is sus. My body, my choice, right? Also, the industry as a whole was against the bill for a couple of reasons. One, porn sex is not like regular sex. First of all, everyone is tested consistently, so it's much safer than taking home someone from the bar. Secondly, porn sex lasts a lot longer than your typical sex sesh, so condoms can cause a lot of irritation. And as someone who was contracted to a condom-only company for a while, I can tell you that they break a lot when combined with the theatrics of porn. Lastly, there were a lot of hidden things in the bill, as with most legislation, that put insane requirements on producers outside of condom usage. Those requirements would put many smaller companies out of business because of the cost and ultimately would result in the creation of illegal condomless porn anyway and take porn production out of the state. Then, if you looked at the people who supported the bill, you'd find that it was part of a greater effort to restrict both sexuality and pornography. For instance, it was supported by people who had also fought against PrEP, the drug that prevents HIV transmission. In their minds, allowing people to take a drug that could prevent a deadly disease would encourage reckless and dangerous sex. They felt abstinence was the best way to prevent disease transmission, even with all the research that proves abstinence-only education is a massive failure and doesn't prevent shit. So the people introducing the bill weren't involved in porn, don't support porn, and have antiquated ideas about sex as a whole, while presenting it as something done for sex workers. The problem is most people don't know anyone in the porn industry, and they aren't exposed to their thoughts on these things. So I talked to a lot of people leading up to the vote and was shocked by how many people thought they were doing the right thing by planning to vote for the bill. In their minds, they were protecting sex workers. They had all the right intentions, but not the right information. I ended up writing an article about all of this, which Seth Rogen retweeted and helped it go viral. Shout out, Seth. <laughs> I was super stoked, uh, not just because I am a huge fan, but because he gave visibility to what everyone in the industry was saying, but no one outside the industry was hearing. I was inundated by people telling me that they were changing their stance, and we ended up beating that bill. 
But that was one bill about one thing, and it centered around porn, which is much more visible than a lot of sex work. There are so many examples of legislation passed about sex workers, often under the guise of helping them, that people blindly vote for without ever knowing the harm they're causing. And that's why sex workers as a whole are such a marginalized group. They don't even have a voice when it comes to their own welfare. And no, not every person on OnlyFans is marginalized. It's not all sex work, first of all, in there. And some of them make a lot of money, but that is a small percentage of sex workers. There are way more faceless and voiceless sex workers out there who suffer the most from the stigma. While someone stigmatizing me for my past in porn might be hurtful and can result in occasional disappointments, the reason I care so much about this topic is because I know that that stigma is a thousand times worse for sex workers without my privilege and platform. Some people do sex work because they love it and possibly make a bunch of money, but a lot of people do it because they have to, which is not to mean that they're victims of trafficking. Trafficking is not sex work and conflating the two leads to so many problems for both groups. Often, it's just the best option within their circumstances of life. For instance, people with certain medical conditions, disabilities, or family situations that prevent them from being able to hold down a nine-to-five might find that sex work is the best way to make ends meet. They might still struggle financially, and without privileges like fame or lots of money, they're generally treated as second-class citizens for simply trying to provide for themselves and their families in the best way they can. Regardless of whether someone loves their job or not, they deserve the same respect and rights as anyone else, whether they're doing sex work or any other job. With the rise of OnlyFans, many sex workers were able to take their services entirely online, which is good that so many of them now have that option since in theory, it's much safer than in-person sex work. And in some ways, the prominence of the platform has led to some normalization of it as a job. On the other hand, the stories of people getting rich off of it has led to further dismissal of sex work as real work because it's used to say that sex work is easy money, which deeply angers many people, mostly men, who either resent their inability, whether real or imagined, to make money off their own bodies, or they resent the people who would make them pay for the physical and emotional labor that they feel entitled to. So what you think is just a funny joke is low-key an appeal to the worst of humanity. It's a nod to the angry incels who hate women, and it perpetuates common ideas about sex work that cause real harm. You might think you're only joking about privileged, famous sex workers who make tons of money online, but the effects of that attitude trickle down to more vulnerable sex workers who are marginalized, silenced, assaulted, or even murdered based off those attitudes. My main concern here is that you have such a loud voice. The whole world is listening to you, while sex workers as a whole don't have a voice at all, even in conversations about them. And it just kind of feels like, you know, if you're going to make jokes about a group of marginalized people, that you should at least have to know something about them, you know? And if you're going to make jokes that perpetuate harmful ideas, you should be educated on exactly how they're harmful before dismissing any outrage or criticism as people being too sensitive or not being able to take a joke. So my goal here isn't to chastise you. My goal is to educate you on the topic in the hopes that you become an ally and maybe even use your platform and influence to lift up the voices of people who need and deserve it. So let's talk about decriminalization. The first thing you need to know is that sex workers are fighting for it, and they have been for a long time. Anyone who's touting legalization is a fraud and doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. And if you care at all about sex workers as human beings, then you need to know about decrim. 
The reason why sex workers as a whole tend to be silenced more than other marginalized groups is because their job is criminalized. It makes it difficult for people to organize and make their voices heard when they're afraid of prosecution and denied resources based on that. While OnlyFans isn't criminalized, it is still constantly being threatened. Many people do a combination of that and criminalized sex work. And like I said before, the belief society about it trickles down to other sex workers. So it is all interconnected. Also, so much of the danger of sex work results from its criminalization. For instance, vetting clients before meeting them is extremely helpful for keeping sex workers safe. But if clients are afraid of legal ramifications of being caught, they're less likely to agree to a vetting process. The illegality also prevents sex workers from seeking support if they're targeted, attacked, etc. If you're raped and beaten while selling sex, going to the police could result in being jailed and scarily, it often results in further assaults by police. Being charged with prostitution can lead to being denied to other jobs in the future if they do want to leave sex work. Ironically, society tends to treat sex workers as victims, yet most of our policies are what truly victimize them, all while under the guise of saving them. Now, the problem with legalization is that it involves unnecessary government interference and the unfair regulation of people's bodies that simply results in creating two kinds of sex work, legal and illegal. You still have all the same problems you had with criminalization since many sex workers will still be engaged in illegal activities, since many won't be able to meet arbitrary requirements decided on by people who have no firsthand knowledge of what sex workers actually need. And you have the new problems that arise from legalization. I'm not going to go into that too deeply today, but there's plenty of evidence that the legalization of sex work in places like Vegas and Amsterdam hasn't really improved working conditions and has brought on problems of its own, all while failing to solve the problems with illegal sex work that still exists. Decriminalizing, though, removes so many of the dangers without creating new ones. It allows victims of assault to seek police help without the threat of prosecution or further assault. It prevents abusive partners from using involvement in sex work to win custody battles they would never win otherwise. And it removes the client's fear of being vetted to keep sex workers safer. And it stops criminal records relating to sex work from preventing people from seeking work in other industries should they choose to do so. Sounds like a pretty solid solution, huh? Well, that's why grassroots movements for sex worker rights are so laser focused on decrim. And yet, so many people, even ones who don't agree with the stigma and would truly want the best for sex workers, don't even know about the decrim movement. Why is that? Well, a lot of the pushback against decrim comes from these savior type groups who are usually funded by fundamental Christian organizations who would love nothing more than to ban pornography and sex work entirely. And even more terrifyingly, they'd love to restrict sex and sexuality as much as possible taking us back to the dark ages where women's sexuality was simply a tool to be used by men. And again, I'm not going to dive into this topic too much today because it is full of rabbit holes. Just know there is a lot of money being funneled into anti-sex work or even quote-unquote anti-trafficking organizations that do not give a damn about the actual workers or victims. Many of them have hidden agendas that any free-thinking person would find abhorrent. I'll dive into this more in another episode, but just know that they love to push the idea that sex work can't be work and can never be a choice that should be respected. So aligning with those groups should scare you. It's likely even most people listening to this podcast are unaware of that. And 
it's why I'm so passionate about trying to educate people on this topic, because I believe so many of you out there would support it if given the chance. But if you don't even know about decrim, if it's not part of the conversation, and if woke progressives are touting legalization, then how could you know? It's very unlikely you're plugged into the culture. Like, if you're my friend, we've definitely talked about this at some point. But not everybody has a Carter Cruz in their life. Most of us do have a Matt Rife, though. The bro who makes jokes about people he's never really considered or cared about. The guy who will slide into a famous sex worker's DMs to send a cute emoji or a dick pic, but doesn't have real conversations with them about their lives. Because deep down, he's part of the problem. And worst of all, he's a little proud of it. Dismissing sex workers, their rights, and their voices is the norm. It is the status quo. So it's not creative, intelligent, interesting, or funny to further dismiss those people who are still struggling for basic human rights, all while also doing absolutely nothing with your platform to help them. And especially if you're also benefiting sexually from quite a few of them from what I've heard, you could do them a solid and give some basic human respect. Maybe you'll say it isn't that deep. And you're right. For you, it isn't. But for a lot of people, it is. They live with the effects of that stigma every day. Of course, you know, I don't think that changing rhetoric will fix anything overnight or that dumbass jokes are solely to blame for the suffering of sex workers. But now that you know what kind of harm the stigma you're using as a punchline causes, don't you want to be better? And don't you want sex workers to have the same rights as everybody else? Unless you're actually a dick after all. The answer is obviously yes. Again, I am not offended and I do hope you receive this with the same positive energy that it is given with. I just wanted to educate you because I do care a lot about this topic. It's not discussed in the mainstream often and I hope that talking about it gets other people to care. And if you take just one thing away from this podcast, make it be the word decriminalization. If you're going to punch down at a powerless, marginalized group, then you at least owe them the courtesy of knowing what the main thing is that they're fighting for. And hey, I'm not saying you can't make jokes about sex work. I just ask that they actually be funny to, you know, someone besides the incels in my DMs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed and even learned a few things. You can catch a new episode of X-Version every Friday. In the meantime, follow us for more at Woo More Play. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. We're choosing random reviewers to send free Woo More Play gifts to all the time. Until next time.